After over a decade of nonprofit leadership impacting thousands, we hit a wall. We started asking ourselves, how can we go beyond personal success and leave a legacy that lasts far beyond our lifetimes? A job change and a couple pivots in the for-profit leadership later? We're on the search to get that question answered. If you're a leader who cares deeply about supporting nonprofits from the inside or from the outside, this podcast is for you. We believe that the world needs what you are going to leave behind, and it's our passion to help you find that thing and build it. I'm Ted. And I'm Lisa. Welcome to the Legacy Builders Movement. In 2003, some photos were taken of Barbara Streisand's house from the coastline. Oh, and published on a site. Okay. In 2003, photos were taken, published on a site. And Barbara Streisand decided to sue to get them removed. Okay. Yeah. Okay. In 2003, photos of Barbara Streisand's house were taken from a coastline and published to a website. Barbara Streisand did not appreciate this and decided to sue the publisher and get the photos removed. Up until that point, the photos of her house had only been downloaded six times. Two of those times were by her attorneys. But the lawsuit made such news that within the next month, 420,000 people had visited the site to view the pictures of her house. Ever since then, this um, phenomena has become known as the Streisand effect. And what happens is people try to hide something, to suppress something, to make sure something doesn't get out. And because of that, so much more attention is brought to whatever the thing is. We've seen this uh, over time. I know a couple of years ago, there was a lunch lady who tried to like talk about something, but then they didn't want to talk about it. And then suddenly it became an inter- like a national news article. Like this happens all the time where people suddenly are like, I don't want anyone to know. And because they're trying to hide something, everyone's like, there must be something worth finding and we are going to find it out. <laughs> it's become such a big deal, especially now because of the internet. I mean, 40 years ago, you would have to have a journalist that would come find, you know, find out what's going on and then spread it over the course of like newspapers. So things like cease and desist letters and stuff kind of used to work to keep certain problems under wraps. But in this case and in pretty much any case from now until the Internet stops working, (laughs) everybody (laughs) is a journalist. And this is the real problem is everybody has the information at their fingertips to be able to see, and if they find it salacious in any way, they can spread it around. And so how do nonprofits react to this? How can we, we're gonna make mistakes. There are gonna be things that don't go exactly as we planned. We're gonna try to change the world in some way, and there might be like a little bit of a negative effect that happens along with it. How can nonprofits work in the world where the Streisand effect is a thing. It's not just uh, something that happened once. It's called the Streisand effect for a reason. It's because it happens a lot, right? And I'm sure everybody who's listening right now, you guys can think of several situations where this was the case, right? Where something was tried to just be kind of like played down or kind of like swept under the rug a little bit. And because of that, it became way worse than it really even was. Mm -hmm. It is a strange thing. Sometimes the issues that are issues, it's like if a leader would just been like, yep, didn't do that totally correctly. We're fixing it for next time. 
sometimes that is the better option than trying to say like, yeah, that kind of happened, but didn't really happen. It's not really that big a deal. We're just going to try to just make it go away. Um, Those things a lot of times end up coming out in full force. And you're totally right. The internet has changed this, but a lot of leaders are still operating under a model that was Mm pre-internet. And this doesn't necessarily mean that the leaders are not of certain like generations or whatever. It's just a lot of times leadership principles are carried down in a way that even people who grew up with the internet their entire lives are still operating in nonprofit leadership as if it somehow doesn't count or it doesn't work in the same way or something a little bit different. It's an interesting phenomenon, but it's a lot of times it's because the books that we're reading um, were written at a time where this wasn't what it is now. The mentors that we have are, you know, good mentors have been there, done that. They've kind of been around maybe before the internet. Maybe people on your board are giving you advice that's pre-internet. Maybe PR firms and things that used to operate a certain way are still working the same way, even though the world has changed so much. So it's really, really important as nonprofits that we think through this and say, how do we address issues when they come up? Because if you're making any kind of change in the world, there are going to be bumps along the road. They're Mm -hmm. just, they're just going to be. So how do we address those things? And how do we think through, uh, rather than turn this into a scandal, (laughs) because that's what Barbara Streisand did rather than turn this into a scandal, how can we address things in a way that grows trust with our organization, not just neutralizes a problem, but actually says, here's what happened. Here's how we're going to react. And people go like, wow, I appreciate that transparency. I appreciate that ability to own up to a mistake and fix it as quick as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the first part of this conversation is really recognizing some of the things that no longer work. Um, we don't want to admit that they no longer work, but they really just don't. Um, I don't particularly want to talk about this, but it is what it is. In the last few years, there have been many mega churches who have suddenly had scandals pop up. Um, and I won't name any names, but you've seen them in the news. And the hard thing about this is that people are people across the board. Ted and I are Christians, so seeing some of this stuff is really, really hard to watch. Um, But we see it, and there's part of me that's like, I understand that all people have stuff going on. Unfortunately, there was probably a time 50 or 60 years ago where if if something was found out about something, it could be addressed in a small location. No one would really know about it. The facts that needed to be stated could be stated to the people involved, and then people would be moved out of their position or whatever, and life would kind of move on. But in this day and age, when the conversations aren't had openly— suddenly it becomes a scandal. It becomes a thing because people are drawn to what's really going on behind the scenes. And it becomes bigger. And so the whole, we're just going to diminish it, it doesn't work anymore. And that's for any nonprofit organization. We also see it happening in businesses. Um, There are constantly people wondering what's going on behind the scenes. Why do they need those non-disclosure agreements? What's happening that they don't want anyone to share about? And so there are companies where you know they have non-disclosure agreements because they are developing certain technology. People are accepting of that. But then there are other places that have them, and it makes people look even closer at the organization saying, well, what's going on that they would need one? 
what's happening <laughs> behind the scenes. Um, so where those documents used to be able to just be used and no one really talked about them, they're behind the scenes. Suddenly they're becoming a beacon for people to look at and say, that's probably something to dig into. That's something to ask questions of. There could be a scandal. There could be something we could find. What are they hiding? And anything that makes people ask, what is that organization hiding is going to make it difficult for you to move forward in what you're doing. And unfortunately, you don't have to be hiding anything. And so going (laughs) in the way of more transparency versus less transparency um, is really going to help your organization because you want to have such a character in yourself and for your organization that if someone were to say something, people say, yeah, but we've seen them over a long period of time and something's not right there. Mm-hmm. You want them to assume that it's not right because you've done such a good job at communicating what it is that you're doing in a way that's trustworthy and honest um, that the allegations don't even have a chance to stick. Um, and that's kind of a it's a hard thing to walk, especially because at some point when you're dealing with people, you're not going to handle everything correctly. Not every conversation is going to be the exact perfect wording. Um, not every interaction is going to be perfection. You might have a client, like someone that you're trying to help come in, and maybe they get the help that they're looking for, but they're not quite satisfied because they're hoping to get something else, and they go complain about what your organization is doing. There are a lot of things that can happen, and it's not just about being above reproach, but it's recognizing that you are willing to communicate everything in a way that when something that when someone accuses you of something, even if it's just they didn't say hi to me when I walked in the door, that people are willing to say, you know what, we trust them. And if they really didn't do it, they're going to be straight up with us about it. And they're not going to try and act like they perfectly say hi to every single person. Right. So the first step, Lisa kind of hit on it, is run your nonprofits with absolute utmost integrity. I mean, it's not going to protect you from everything, but oh my gosh, it's going to definitely go a long way when you start with integrity first. Mm -hmm. Looking at things like how much your staff are being paid and how much you're being paid as the leader of the organization, looking at these, uh, looking, looking at spending, looking at uh, potential like losses, you know, like spending in areas that isn't very smart, looking at problems that you could be causing while trying to help people look at, look at things from Uh, The perspective of if you are a journalist trying to bring down your organization, what kind of stuff would you go after and make sure those things are running with utmost integrity with the backing of your board, with the knowledge of the people who are, you know, donating and stuff, too, because if the people who care most about your organization know about that stuff and say, yes, we are doing our absolute best as an organization not only are they going to continue to trust you, but if any outside people start throwing accusations, they can stand up and defend you instead of having to start to wonder what's going on behind the scenes. So starting with that absolute integrity and uh, zero tolerance for low integrity moments, things like colorful language to hide lies or word salad to bounce, to dance around certain issues like avoiding that stuff at all costs is huge. Being honest. Now, there are things that you shouldn't be transparent about, but let's just be straight up. You're a nonprofit organization. You are pretty much 
transparent anyway, even if you try not to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because people can look at your financial records. They can like these a lot of things are public. Yeah. And all it takes is someone to do a little bit of math to figure out what's going on. Like, wow, they took in this much donations and then this much stuff happened. Something doesn't line up here. Yeah. A few things that um, we see from time to time with nonprofits, um, your annual annual report, all of your reports, everything that's public facing, make it easy for the public to find it. There's mm-hmm. no reason someone should have to take two or three different steps to get access to that. Um, and the very fact that you make it public will probably mean no one will even look at it. Mm-hmm. Like, to be honest. Um, because it becomes boring. Yeah. Because so no like, one, oh, no one who really hide, hates, so here hates what you're doing for whatever reason yep. is going to care if everybody can see it. So like, oh, I didn't find anything special. When you break <laughs> down your stuff, be very, very careful um, about what you're including with in terms of what like your mission for your organization actually is. So let's say you run a food shelf, right? Like be very clear how much of the money is actually going toward the food and toward the people and toward like whatever it might be. Maybe you have a program that donates food, but then also does some stuff for, you know, schools to provide food for kids in that way. And maybe have a couple summer programs. Like be very clear the difference between this is providing food and this money went for the shelving that the food sits on so our clients can have a good experience. I know some nonprofits who will use some of their, um, will use like the shelving and say, well, all of it's technically for, for the, the giving of food. So we're going to count all of it toward the mission. And when people hear stuff like that, they're like, wait, it's just you not just 100% lumped, it's just honest. It's not 100% honest. Right. And 99% honest does not count as 100% honest. Like, yep. Be up front, make it so if someone comes to you and says, oh my gosh, you spent how much on shelving? <laughs> you can be like, well, we have to have somewhere for the food because if we can't get it organized, the food can't get to the people. People will understand that. Mm-hmm. But if you include the shelving in with the food total and you say, we donated this much last year, people are going to look at that and be like, that is a lie. $80 of that wasn't donated or whatever the amount is. Right. So be very careful that everything that you have written out is done in a way where people look at it and they say, oh, my gosh, if anything, they could have included more of these expenses. Yeah, as they could going have spent more the on shelving. They could, yeah, <laughs> right, they right. could have done more. More of this could have been counted into the big thing. But break it down in a way that people don't question what it is that you're doing. And sometimes that can be hard to do because no nonprofit likes having overhead. No nonprofit right. <laughs> likes admitting that part of every donation goes to keeping it running and functioning. Yeah, they don't like administrative costs. Like right. as as a nonprofit organization, you're trying to keep administrative costs as low as possible because you care about what's what change you're making. Mm-hmm. I had one nonprofit who told me they had zero administrative costs, and it was honest. But I asked so many questions. I was like, "Well, how are you making your money? Where's this going? What about this? What about this? What about this?" And in the end, they actually didn't have any administrative costs. The way they had it run up was if you give $100, $100 is given. I was like, all right. Okay, then, then the questions that. start to go, how is it sustainable? How can you keep doing this and 10 years And that's where from my now? conversation went next. So if this grows, at what point are you going to create administrative costs? At what point are you going to change mm-hmm. the language? There's going to be a point where happen? it costs money. It's going to have to. If or it it's going to stay at the same yeah. size. Right. It's true. Cap. Um, I also wanted to touch on this. 
when you're making your uh, financial disclosures and you're making your your uh, financial report mm -hmm. to, you know, to show to your donors and to your board and all of that stuff, if it doesn't look good on that, you need to fix it. <laughs> like, you need to fix the problem, not cover the problem. Fix the problem, not the report. Yes. Please. <laughs> like, don't don't get creative with the financial reporting to fix a problem with your organization. If you're overstaffed and you see that in the financial report, you better be ready. And especially if you if like it's so obvious, <laughs> you know, if like all of the money is going to the staff and like none of the money is going to the actual thing. You're going to have to be prepared in the financial report when you're talking to the people about it that, hey, we put our financial report this year. We saw this. We saw this. We see that we are overstaffed. We're going to be making changes this year to to either grow our effectiveness so that way our staff matches the amount or we're going to have to decrease the staffing in order to make it happen. But we are not OK with all of the money going towards staffing. You know, mm -hmm. like you have to like and if, if you say that it stinks to have to say it, but it's better for you to say it and acknowledge it and say, this is how we're going to change it. than it is for people to have to draw their own inferences and say, are they just going to keep running it like this? Mm -hmm. I'm not donating to that. Absolutely. And make sure it doesn't just look good to your donors. It also has to look good to your staff members and mm -hmm. your board members and yep. actually look good. And to the people who are connectors in your organization, to yes. your volunteers, anybody who is doing anything positive for your organization, and even the people who are not doing anything negative mm -hmm. at the moment, need to be able to look at that and say, this is an organization with integrity. This is an organization that's honest. They're not trying to twist the numbers or hide anything under the rug. I can trust this organization. I don't need to do any more digging mm -hmm. to try to find evil hiding in this, right? <laughs> And then also lay things out in a way that actually talks about the people that you're helping. Um, I've seen reports before. I'm going to go back to the food shelf example, even though this is not at all a real example. Um, <laughs> but like, let's say there's a food shelf and, and their report is, you know, they have like the financial, but then maybe they have that page or two that's like infographic showing you what we've accomplished in the last year. And they're like, we've been open 40 hours a week, every single week this year. It's like, that doesn't actually tell us anything. It makes you look good. It makes you sound consistent. But how many people came but in? But how many people came <laughs> in? How many people were helped? Are the people coming in getting all the help that they need? Um, how many pounds of food are actually being given? How many pounds of food are going stale on your shelves because you have not organized it properly? Mm -hmm. um, how much, like, what's the actual effectiveness? Like, what is the actual metric that makes it so that people can actually see what's happening? Um, there's one organization that I saw their uh, financial report. I I think I've looked at too many financial reports <laughs> for organizations. <laughs> but there was one, and they had a huge number. This is how much was donated last year. And then they had a number that was, here's how many people we have helped. Um, and one of the numbers was specifically, here's how many people that we've helped start small businesses. And I divided the big number, like the amount given, divided by the number of people. And I was like... Oh my gosh, that is a huge ROI. Mm. I don't know of another organization or another person that could start a small business for that amount and get that kind of help. Um, and so you want it to be very clear where someone, if they look at all the donations and then they look at the impact, 
that they're able to do a quick calculation and say, yes, this makes sense. It could even be that they look at and they say, I understand a good chunk of that goes toward admin costs. I understand that all these other things, but does it generally make sense? If you're bringing in a million dollars a year and your report is that you've actually helped three people, but your staff has all gotten paid really well, you have problems. Um, And you really want to not adjust the report, but adjust the actual issue, fix the issue, and make sure that your math and the impact that you're making is something that you would choose to donate to. Because that's an issue. You can say, well, I don't donate to my organization because I work at nonprofit, and so I actually make less than I would other places, so it's kind of a donation. No, at the end of the day, if you had $20, would you give it to your nonprofit if you weren't involved? Answer that question honestly. And then show people. Show people that it's run well. um, Because people need to be able to see that. And if there is something off, address it early. And then actually address it. Yeah, you have to actually fix it. I mean, that's that's what it really comes down to a lot, I think, is that, you know, Barbara Streisand had a couple options. She could have just left it alone and not blown it up into a bigger issue by trying to whatever. Or she could have said, oh, my gosh this is bad. I need to make a change. And then people would have been like, wow, Barbara Streisand's great. You know, like the Streisand effect would have been about how people make good changes to fix problems or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I think it had something to do with coastal erosion or something and da da da, da. But anyway, the <laughs> thing that I wanted to say is when people donate or volunteer or tell other people about your organization, they are making an investment like a real investment and good investors know how to vet their investments. They're good at vetting their investments. So that's why they, they'll they choose to write a hundred thousand dollar check to their, you know, Roth IRA. Well, you can't do that anyway, but whatever. <laughs> they'll write a hundred thousand dollar check to, you know, get some stock in a good company. But guess what? They're not just going in blind. They are vetting that, that company mm-hmm. before they buy that much stock. And they're going to figure out, is this worth the money? Is this making the impact that it is? Is it leaking any money? What problems do it? Like, they're thinking through all of that stuff, and they have all of that information at their fingertips with your financial reports, with the way that you talk to the public, with the way that you talk to your staff, with the way you talk to your volunteers. Guess what? Information gets out, especially now that the internet makes it so easy to exchange information. Mm Mm-hmm. A couple more things with this. If you are a leader within an organization, you need to make sure that your budget makes sense for what you have been given and the right stuff is being purchased. And then when you're talking to volunteers about it, that you aren't just trying to pitch it, but that you are actually explaining why it matters. Um, There was one organization I talked to a long time ago, and they had bought some equipment and they didn't get like the nice equipment They got the medium equipment that wasn't going to last long term. And I was so mad because I had like donated to the organization. I was (laughs) like, why didn't you just spend the extra little bit to get the stuff that's actually going to do what we need to do long term? Like you opted for the lesser thing and put the budget elsewhere. And in two years, the stuff is going to break and now you're going to spend more money. Like it was frustrating for me as an outsider to that organization to hear that, but it was because they didn't want to have to justify the higher cost. Hmm. Or if they would just said, like, yes, we got the upgraded stuff, and here's why. Here's where we're going long term, and over five years, this is actually going to save us $3,000. 
been like, okay, cool, that makes sense. Or on the other flip side, if they would have said, hey, we got we got the cheaper equipment because this is a temporary solution. Mm-hmm. Like if they have a reason why, if you have a reason why as an organization you're you're buying the more expensive thing or the cheaper thing or the cheapest thing, like if you have a good reason why, guess what? That reason's good. It's a good reason. If you're like, this is a temporary solution, so we're not going to buy the fanciest stuff for this because by the time it wears out, we're done with it and then yep. we're okay. But just like we said, don't just fix the report, but fix the problem. You also have to recognize that the person asking the question is not the problem. <laughs> fix the person. You have to just convince them why it's a good idea. If you don't have the right answer, fix that problem. Mm-hmm. So you can actually give people an answer. Um, at any point, I wouldn't do this to someone, but I should be able to walk into any organization and say, why did you buy that couch? Why did you buy that computer? What benefit does this have? And their answer should be, well, we need a place for our people to sit. That's comfortable when they come. We need the computer so that we can manage the database. We need this thing over here. Like, if they don't know why they've bought the stuff and the answer is like, well, we have the space. We want it to be pretty. You're like, eh. That is not going to... <laughs> it's not going to fly. <laughs> for fly. A lot of like, I understand aesthetics. I like to be in pretty places. But you need to have an answer. And someone coming in with the questions is not the problem. Then you don't want donors who are going to, like, drill you every single time they donate to figure out where their money went. At the same time, though, they get to vet the organization. They get to, just like a public company has shareholders and they have a duty to the shareholders to make a profit, you have a duty as a nonprofit leader to the people who have donated to show them that you are using their money wisely. And if you are not, you need to make a change or stop accepting donations. Ooh. No, that's absolutely true. You need to, if if you can't look at your financial report and have good reasons for the stuff on there, if you can't make volunteering decisions and have good reasons for how you're running things, if you can't make good decisions about how you are uh, investing in the next generation to come up and take on the mantle of what your organization is doing, you got to fix that. And if you can't do it on your own, get help. You know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't, you don't have to do this all on your own and you are going to find a lot of problems that it's just a bumpy road when you're doing any kind of organization building and you're going to run into issues. Finding help is an important piece. And I think rather than admitting that people can't do it on their own, a lot of organizations just decide to try to fudge the numbers Mm-hmm. And instead of just saying like, you know what, I am not equipped to be able to handle this specific problem. How can I get the help to solve the problem? Because there are people out there that know how to do it. There are mm-hmm. people out there that know how to fix the situation. It might be an accountant. It might be a person who can consult and help with your organization making better choices. It can be uh, talking to your board about like being transparent with your board about what's going on, because I mean, hopefully you've surround, you've filled that board with people who are knowledgeable and know how to fix problems. Mm-hmm. And so getting the help and admitting that, Hey, I know I'm the leader of this organization and I see this issue because your job as the leader is really to see the issue. It's not to fix every issue, Yeah, see the issue and then get it fixed. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe that is you, maybe it's not, 
but admit when you can't do it, get some help. Yeah. Stop it. Get some help. Stop it. Just get some help. It'll be fine. So with that, I know we covered a lot. If you need any help or ideas, there are lots of things that you can do to increase the transparency of your organization um, in a way that's actually still sustainable for you. So you don't feel like you're having to just constantly be watching your back. Because the point of transparency is that you never have to watch your back. You can just know that we are doing this really well. We would love to be able to chat with you. Um, please email us at office at legacybuildersintl.com. Um, and we would like to be able to specifically see how we can help you to do this in a way that works for your leadership style. Thanks for listening to the Legacy Builders Movement. If you appreciate this podcast and find that it's valuable, the best way that you could help us is to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. To learn more about Legacy Builders, go to LegacyBuildersInternational.com. That's LegacyBuildersIntl.com. 